This is Northwest This Week with your host, Mark Christopher. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Northwest News This Week. It's for the week ending December the 10th. You're about to hear the efforts of our reporters and our anchors here at Northwest News Radio and the top stories of this past week. Perhaps you missed the story, only got a headline. You have now found a source where you can catch up. Also, a reminder, it's available as a podcast at our uh, website at nwnewsradio.com. Otherwise, right here every week at this time here on radio at AM 1000, FM 97.7. Some of the stories just ahead here, more COVID, flu, and RS. The concerns will explain why and who the experts are in sharing this. Some signs inflation may be easing. You're watching the gas prices, but still, many of us still have worries. And a new online crime dashboard for Snohomish County. This year's flu season is off to a fast start just about everywhere, including right here in our area. In western Washington, we don't typically see the flu until the end of December. And you got to remember, this started coming up right at the end of November. So right now, we're seeing very large numbers and very early in the season for us. In audio provided by UW Medicine, infectious disease specialist Dr. John Lynch says this year's flu shot is a good match for the virus, meaning it's not too late to get one. About 100 patients were being treated this past week for flu or COVID-19 at UW Medicine Hospitals alone. It's been a rough few weeks for parents of young children. Schools have been hit especially hard by a combination of the flu, RSV, and COVID-19. Alex Stone tracking a story for ABC News and shared this with our listeners. Alex, all of this illness, that's bad enough, but now there's a clear trickle down that we're seeing at pharmacies and drugstores around the country. Absolutely. A lot of parents are feeling it right now, Bill. I mean, I know we've got a 10-year-old who's been homesick all week and just can't seem to get out of it. Before that, it was his sister, and then before that, it was him again. It just seems like they keep giving it to each other, and parents nationally are saying the same thing, that they're all feeling it, uh, and that's also a run on cold meds, and you go into a lot of stores, and there's just nothing available if your neighborhood grocery store has some, and it's probably not a lot of what they've got, but consider yourself lucky, because a lot of stores in many areas of the country you go into, they've got nothing, and uh, there is this run between common colds that are hitting hard right now, flu, RSV, COVID this year, especially in children. And Sally Chia, pharmacist in Vegas, owns a pharmacy. She says they're asking for help from suppliers and they're not able to get any. We're calling around for, from wholesalers to wholesalers to see if we can get the products in for patients. But she says it's just not available, that it could be they're being told a month to get more Tamiflu and some common antibiotics that doctors often prescribe. She says that does new parents a lot of good right now. For the flu, they need to take Tamiflu, um, you know, their medications within 48 hours. Um, after onset of symptoms. Yeah, you go on Amazon and it says you can get it in time for Christmas, but, you know, today's December 7th. That's a long time away if your child isn't feeling well. So what do parents do? We talked to Dr. Peter, Dr. Peter Chung Hong at uh, UC San Francisco. Um, he says don't do this without talking to a pharmacist or your doctor first to make sure you do it right. Uh, but if you can't find children's Tylenol, that you can use adult Tylenol and make it children's Tylenol, he says by doing this. There are other tricks that people can use as well, like taking uh, 200 milligrams or an adult form, and depending on the size of the kid, um, mixing it, crushing it, mixing it in chocolate milk. Chocolate milk, because then they can drink it like they normally would a children's medication, not able to, to take a pill. Again, he says, talk to your pharmacist or doctor, don't do that on your own without knowing how to do it. But he also says, even generally easy to get stuff that you would go to Safeway or to Walmart and grab, you can't find it right now. There's definitely a shortage in over-the-counter uh, children's Tylenol and pediatric formulations for ibuprofen, cold medicines, um, and we've been hearing this 
uh, all over the country. And he says if you can't find a fever reducer, don't just let that fever go. He says you need to use a, a cool towel on their forehead, turn on a fan. you got to bring down their temperature. Uh, you know, Don't just say, well, we couldn't find any medicine, so let the, the child suffer. He says you do need to bring it down. Meanwhile, the nation's most populated county says it might be about time to break out those masks again. Yeah, L.A. County now on the verge of it again. Uh, the county reporting over 3,800 new cases, COVID cases a day, up from 2,300 a week ago, triple compared to November. And on the top of RSV and, and flu, hospitals are saying, look, we're, we're being taxed again. And the, the county health director, Dr. Barbara Ferrer, saying... I know, I know nobody is you know, anxious to hear this message from us, that we need to protect each other again. And the belief is that the COVID numbers that we know are artificially low because so many people either don't test anymore and they just say, well, it's probably the cold or it doesn't matter anymore, or they test at home and, and the results are never reported to anybody, so nobody ever knows. So they, they know COVID hospitalizations are going up. They believe that the numbers are higher, and she says... L.A. County will follow the CDC guidance for communities designated at the high community level, including universal indoor masks. But there's that question of, you know, would orders be enforced? Uh, a lot of people voluntarily still wear masks when they're out in public uh, in Southern California, but those who don't, would police enforce it? Would stores enforce it? Would they wear it? Nobody knows, but um, the county's saying we are getting closer and may go down that road. ABC's Alex Stone with us on the Northwest News Line. That's Bill O'Neill of Northwest News Radio. Now, COVID isn't hitting Washington as hard as the rest of the country right now. Here's why. According to several reports and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the latest wave of COVID is highly impacting nearly every state, and it's filling hospital beds more than it has the last three months, except here in Washington. All of the uh, power is in the public right now. They are have lived through three years of this in a very progressive state, they know what to do. State epidemiologist Dr. Scott Lindquist. I I forget where I was yesterday, and I was amazed at how many people were wearing masks. But we're not out of the woods, are we? No, I think there is time for that to come back. It is a simple mutation in this COVID uh, variant to become more infectious. The goal of a virus is to make more copies of itself. These mutations can be prevented, he says, with the vaccines and by continuing to wear a mask in crowded public spaces. Brian Calvert, Northwest News Radio. Another story of this, new research published in the journal JAMA Internal Medicine, suggesting women and minorities were often underrepresented in COVID-19 clinical trials. That's the conclusion from a Fred Hutchison Cancer Research Center study, according to the Seattle Times. Researchers analyzed 122 trials involving about 175,000 people. Women made up about 49% of prevention study participants and 45% of treatment trial participants. However, women made up about 52 two percent of americans with covid blacks and asians were also underrepresented in clinical trials the study's authors suggest community outreach likely was a problem but are quick to say that this shouldn't negate the wide-ranging research that has been conducted on covid19 Jeff Pogel Northwest News Radio. Local disease modelers say that as China begins to ease COVID restrictions that have limited the spread of the virus, a very vulnerable population will be at great risk. Ryan Harris here of Northwest News Radio explains. The zero COVID policy hasn't made it easy for UW's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation to model China's virus activity. But Dr. Christopher Murray says it's much like what they saw in Hong Kong, with a large number of people susceptible to infection, a less effective vaccine, 
seen very low numbers over age 80 vaccinated and not a lot of antiviral drugs available. China's already easing restrictions as protests grow, and Murray says zero COVID is unsustainable, especially for economic reasons. So we do expect that at some point in the future, there will be widespread transmission of Omicron, and that will actually have a considerable death toll in the over 80 population. Murray says as more people become infected, odds of a new subvariant increase, which means a chance of one that's more severe and evades infection or vaccination immunity. Ryan Harris, Northwest News Radio. Just ahead, the pandemic, the drought, affecting demand for Christmas trees. A concern? You're going to want to hear this. A family set to receive over $5 million from Federal Way Schools for the death of their son during a summer football practice. Marina Rockinger with details. Alan Harris was doing wind sprints during football practice in the heat of July 2018. The 16-year-old sophomore then collapsed, suffered seizures, followed by sudden cardiac arrest. Alan's family sued Federal Way Schools for not properly training coaching staff to respond to such an emergency. Michael LeBanc is with Connolly Law Offices, the firm that represented the family. The district didn't do their job to prepare their coaches. They hadn't done what was supposed to be done to do the trainings and the drills that were necessary. That training would have included the use of an AED, or automated external defibrillator, that was located inside the school gym, which, according to the suit, would have helped save Allen's life. The district has agreed to pay $5.25 million to the Harris family. Marina Rockinger, Northwest News Radio. And there's just a warm-up to what we have for this week here on Northwest News Radio, ending for the week of December 10th. We'll be right back. You're listening to Northwest This Week. Now that we're back, inflation is still a very real problem, but new data suggesting it is moderating. The prices we pay for goods like chicken wings and used cars seem to be going down. Gas prices we see this past week. In fact, one of Costco's competitors, by the way, even undercutting their cheap hot dog and soda combo. David Lynch watching this story for the Washington Post and shared this with us. David, we don't have Sam's Clubs in Washington State anymore, so we don't get to watch the hot dog war play out. But how significantly is inflation moderating? It's a bit of good news. I mean, if you think of the economy uh, like a car that had been running down the highway at 80 or 90 miles an hour, we've cooled back to about 70 miles an hour. We're still we're still going too fast, but things are better than they were. And you're starting to see in, in some key products like used cars or uh, chicken uh, rents, the prices are not rising as fast as they were, which is the first step to getting them to come back down under control. And one of the aspects of your story that I liked the best, I think, was was this idea of maybe the consumer isn't noticing this yet. Because, you know, we're, we're not Bill Gates. We don't notice if a dozen eggs is cheaper by a nickel or four cents or less. Uh, there are bigger expenses we still face. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And people, I think, tend to think of prices as either going up or going down. So overall, they still feel the, the, the pain of prices that are rising at a rate that, you know, we really hadn't seen in decades. Uh, and so to, to come along and say, hey, good news, uh, rents are only going up at an annual rate of 8% now instead of 15%. Well, if, you know, if you're a guy out there uh, getting a new apartment, it doesn't feel like great news. You still feel like you're paying more, and you are paying more. Uh, you're just not being socked to quite the degree that you would have been back in the spring. Now, I was floored to see uh, how much shipping costs have fallen, and that's something that yeah. you and I, we've chatted about that a few times now since the height of the pandemic. Does that mean global shipping is back to normal? The supply chain is much more normal than it's been since 
you know, the beginning of, of 2020. And, and the shipping cost, as you rightly mentioned, it's really remarkable. You go back to the, the fall of last year and to send you know, your standard 40-foot metal box, the shipping container from China to a West Coast port like Seattle or, or Los Angeles, just sending one of them would, would have cost you more than $20,000. I just checked that same spot rate today, if you were to go out and book it today, is less than $1,500, down 93% on the spot market. For someone with a, a limited understanding of economics like me, it sort of seems like a teeter-totter sometimes. You know, if goods price are going down. What's going up on the other side? You know, that's a good question. One, one of the things that is a good news, bad news story is wages. Uh, as, as people have stopped buying quite as many goods as they were during the pandemic, we're all going back a little bit, I think, to our normal life. We're going out to restaurants, concerts, basketball games, what have you. Those service type of products that you buy in person, the cost of those is starting to go up. Those are going up because people have to pay, employers have to pay higher wages. Think of all the restaurants you go to. Almost everyone I've gone to in recent months has been a little short of labor. And to try and get folks to come back to wait tables, to you know stand behind the bar and pour drinks, employers are having to pay up for that. And those uh, added expenses are showing up in higher prices. No doubt about it. David Lynch with us on Northwest News Radio from the Washington Post. Great article you can find online at WashingtonPost.com. That's Taylor Van Syce of Northwest News Radio. High demand for Christmas trees combined with this year's drought-like conditions may make it more difficult to find your perfect tree. Lack of rainfall this summer and fall hurt lots of crops, Christmas trees included, not just locally but nationwide. This Midwest tree farmer told KETV News. People are a little worried about getting a tree, so they're coming in sooner. I mean, we've already sold trees, uh, many trees, before Thanksgiving. The drought has meant higher tree prices and shorter supply. Still, owners of tree farms are sticking it out as long as they can. At Fish Creek Tree Farm, southwest of Arlington, owner Lloyd Dietland tells the Daily Herald he likes to keep his Yukon farm open until the week before Christmas so families with returning college kids can maintain their tradition of picking out a tree together. From Yukon to pre-cut, at this point, you can expect to spend $60 to $300 for your tree, depending on whether your family's tastes lean toward Nordstrom's Lobby or Charlie Brown. This little green one here seems to need a home. Corwin Hake, Northwest News Radio. And for shopping, let's mention as delivery loads increase for your mail carrier, are you noticing your mail is a little slower to arrive? Brian Coward of Northwest News Radio saying a postal customer couldn't believe what his mail carrier said is causing this. Larry Treffy's been waiting for the check in the mail. The vice president of Spokane-based Challenger Pipe and Steel says three checks totaling 200 grand arrived much later than expected. But the real shock was when he told our news partner KXLY what his mail carrier said after Larry confronted him about the check delays. Um, our regular mail carrier said that they were given a directive to only deliver Amazon packages and not deliver any of the actual mail. As you chew on that for a second, the post office responded with the statement, quote, regarding Amazon, they are one of thousands of fulfillment customers who we serve. The response did not specifically address the claim that one of their Spokane mail carriers said Amazon was supposed to get priority over regular mail. Brian Calvert, Northwest News Radio. 
Amazon has reportedly reached a deal with the European Union over alleged anti-competitive practices. According to the Financial Times, Amazon has agreed to give rival products more visibility in its buy box, which tends to drive most of the site's purchases. Also, sellers who use Amazon's Prime membership won't be forced to use the company's logistical services. The deal is expected to be announced later this month and would show how companies would have to comply with the Digital Markets Act, which was adopted in September. But a company spokesman tells CNBC they have serious concerns about how the act appears to be targeting Amazon and a few other American companies. Jeff Podula, Northwest News Radio. Thanks, Jeff. The Sauk Seattle Indian Tribe says the state legally collects a sales tax on purchases the tribe makes online. Details now from Eric Hines. Under federal law, any purchases made by tribal members on the reservation or delivered to it are not subject to a state sales tax. Earlier this year, the tribe's medical clinic was running low on supplies. Replenishments were ordered online. Now tribal lawyers tell the Seattle Times about $300,000 in state sales taxes were automatically applied, not just to the clinic's orders this year, but to others made by individuals over several years. A State Department of Revenue spokesperson says the lawsuit is under review. Eric Heinz, Northwest News Radio. The governor says he plans to ask lawmakers for a lot of money in his budget to deal with homelessness. Governor Jay Inslee says they are already spending $145 million just to move homeless people out from under and around state highways with plans for what he called a total commitment and big asks from the legislature next year. State Department of Commerce Director Lisa Brown told those gathered at the opening of a Catholic Charities facility in Spokane that the places those people go to are not just about a bed. It's about the support that moves an individual from homelessness into stability. Inslee told the group about a man in Vancouver who talked about the value of having a secure place to live with help. You know, when I got a place to live that was private, I could finally beat my chemical addiction. And that's what this environment is providing. The governor also says we need to build a lot more housing, an area he says we come up very short. Ryan Harris, Northwest News Radio. As you can hear, it's been quite a busy week once again here at Northwest News Radio. Student workers at Western Washington University have filed to form a union. A supermajority of about 700 students who work as teachers, researchers, and tutors at the university have signed union authorization cards that would give them representation by Western Academic Workers United, an affiliate of United Auto Workers. The bargaining unit's website says joining UAW will address the workers' lack of secure rights and protections. UAW represents 100,000 higher education workers across the U.S. Kathy O'Shea, Northwest News Radio. As we hear the past week, the last 747 comes off the assembly line. Boeing continues to lose experienced local engineers from its workforce. How bad? According to the Seattle Times, it's due to early retirements and the prospect of reduced pension payouts if those employees remained. The engineers union, SPIA, says more than 500 veteran Boeing engineers and 130 technical staff retired last month and that the company is on a hiring campaign to try and replace them. This comes as Boeing is hoping to launch a new airplane model by the end of this decade. Greg Herschelt, Northwest News Radio. A crime dashboard for Snohomish County residents will explain and prevention of these porch pirates. Still so much more to cover. 
And another story we have that many are asking about, a Seattle-based airline has started a first-of-its-kind baggage program ever. Alaska Airlines frequent flyers can now get electronic bag tags. They allow you to register your luggage remotely. This does away with the old method of printing paper tags at check-in. They cost $75, however. David Slotnick, a senior aviation business reporter at the Points Guy, tells Como 4, they're really only worth it if you fly at least a few times a year. Alaska Airlines expects the program will reduce the time travelers spend dropping off their checked luggage by nearly 40%. Frank Lindsay, Northwest News Radio. It's Northwest News Radio. I'm Mark Christopher. We're back after this. You're listening to Northwest This Week with Mark Christopher. Welcome back. The federal government taking Microsoft to court over its planned purchase of a gaming company. Activision Blizzard publishes some of the biggest titles in the industry. Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, and all of those games are available on multiple platforms. The concern is that such a merger would stifle competition as Microsoft could easily make the games Xbox exclusives as it has done for other popular properties such as Halo. It certainly does signal uh, a continuing intense commitment to look at a wide variety of deals more carefully and to go into court to block them. That's former chair of the Federal Trade Commission, William Kovacek, speaking on CNBC. In a statement, Microsoft President Brad Smith says they have complete confidence in their case and welcome the opportunity to present it in court. Jeff Pogela, Northwest News Radio. Another story we want to make sure you knew of, the state attorney general's office filing a lawsuit against a federal way gun retailer on allegations of unlawfully selling high-capacity magazines. This follows a sweep of gun sellers across our state. Investigators visited 25 firearms retailers across Washington to confirm that stores are complying with the new state law. Agents attempted to purchase the unlawful magazines, which is two retailers reportedly not complying. AG Bob Ferguson says discount guns of federal way was one of them. Now he wants a judge to block the store from selling high-capacity magazines in the future and to pay a fine for each magazine previously sold. Eric Heinz, Northwest News Radio. Now for that new online crime dashboard that lets the Homish County residents know at a glance the level of danger they face. To explain, Corwin Hake of Northwest News Radio. Perhaps taking a cue from Public Health's online COVID-19 updates, the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office is publishing a daily crime data dashboard. It's color-coded dots graphically showing residents what crimes are committed where. Click an orange dot in Lake Stevens and you'll learn the address of a November 11th aggravated assault. A green dot in North Everett shows a November 17th car theft at Everett Community College. The dashboard also aggregates crime rates, revealing assaults and homicides are up for the year countywide while rapes and robberies are down. In a news release, Sheriff Adam Fortney says, quote, In a time when everything is becoming digital, I knew we needed to adapt and create a way to make our crime data available to our community in an easily accessible and timely manner. Corwin Hake, Northwest News Radio. If you're a large company, it's not a good look to have your logo on the same page as a white supremacist or any extremist. For companies like Amazon and Uber, their advertisements are once again appearing on the Twitter pages of posters who were previously banned for their hateful speech. Northwest News Radio's Taylor Van Sice went to explore and ask questions. Fez, how much of this can be blamed on the mass exodus of workers at Twitter, and how much of it is from Elon Musk allowing banned accounts back online? So the staff has been cut in half or more at this point, and there's now a vacuum of content moderation. So when Musk makes decisions like 
reinstating previously banned accounts, those checks that were in place, you know, to ensure ads don't appear on them um, are no longer there. At least that's the sense that I've gotten from a former employee who I spoke with. It seems like all of the decision making is playing toward this outcome in conjunction. And you mentioned in your report that the response from companies, they haven't really been responding to you yet. But when I think about advertising, at least from a radio or a TV perspective, you should be able to tailor down to the very last detail how you want your ad to come across. Does Twitter not allow that? The few companies that I have heard from at this point and organizations, their recourse here is to pull down the ad. One of the organizations I spoke with said it did not have control over where the ad would appear. So Twitter is the one that's trusted to choose how it will be displayed and where. It's a bit more of a sophisticated operation than placing a newspaper ad, but certainly Twitter has control over whether an account is ad eligible or ad ineligible. And in this case, it appears that was an oversight. Twitter not exactly in a position right now to jerk their advertisers around. Have you been able to get a a good count on how many high dollar accounts have just left the platform since Elon Musk took over? That's something that I've been looking into and, you know, nothing new to report on that front, but it's certainly, you know, an eyebrow raising number of companies and and one that puts pressure on the management team at Twitter to keep advertisers happy and confident that this is a place where they can like comfortably display their or market to people. And like these new developments, the fact that ads have appeared on these white nationalist pages will not give them any additional confidence. And aside from the big dogs like Amazon and Uber, there are some advertisements from groups absolutely opposed to the ideals of people like white supremacists, white nationalists. You can find out much more about this issue online at WashingtonPost.com from Fez Siddiqui. Now for a couple of stories that deal with theft that's appearing here during the holiday season. Start with this. If you receive a text message from a number claiming to be from the United States Postal Service, think twice before responding. Recently, I sent a package to my son who's attending a music school in Norway. The very next day, I got a text message that claimed to be from USPS and read, we are unable to ship due to incomplete address information on the package label. It then asked that I fill in the correct address information via a link that was provided right in the text. Convenient, right? wrong. It was clearly a smishing attempt. Smishing, in case you might not know, is the term for a bogus text claiming to be from a legitimate company or entity asking you to click on a link. John Wiegand is a U.S. Postal Inspector for USPS and says these schemes from scammers have become very common thanks to everyone having a cell phone. They're very hard for law enforcement at times to track because of you know how many phone numbers are out there and really where they're coming from. They can almost be coming from anywhere in the world. Wiegand says with the Postal Service, you will only get a text if you opt in. If you've never signed up for or haven't recently opted into a text message, that's going to be your number one flag that, hey, something is up here. He adds that if you do get a legitimate text message from USPS, it will not contain a link. Wiegand tells me these text message smishing attempts, along with email and voicemail schemes, ramp up this time of year due to the number of people sending packages. A lot of people are mailing cards, packages, all sorts of things. So they may try and kind of catch you in a, you know, a moment where you 
just stop thinking for half a second because you're doing so many things. So we do sometimes see these things uh, pop up more during the holidays, um, but they do happen you know, all year round. So take a minute before you click. Marina Rockinger, Northwest News Radio. We'll get to a story about the street cafes. They've had the curbside dining during the pandemic. Will that continue? We'll tell you our findings just ahead. But let's share this one. It's a perfect storm for porch pirates right now for the holiday season with increased online shopping and inflation hitting hard for all of us. Northwest News Radio's Kathy O'Shea sharing here. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Northwest Insurance Council President Kenton Bryan told K2 online shoppers can help protect themselves starting even before the purchase. It's a good idea to check before you make purchases when you're shopping online to see if the seller or the company that you're going to ship with has any kind of policy in place for replacement. Bryan adds that it's important to track packages all the way to the doorstep, but if your packages do go missing... The first thing to do then is to check and see if you can get reimbursed by either the seller that you purchased it from if it didn't arrive or the shipping company if they lost it or it was damaged uh, or your credit card company if they have purchase protection. Large purchases can also be claimed on homeowners or renters insurance but keep in mind a deductible will apply. Kathy O'Shea, Northwest News Radio. Preset your radio right now when you get a chance and it's safe to do. That way you'll find Northwest News this week each and every week at this very time so you have a way to catch up to stories of the week you might have missed. I'm Mark Christopher. We'll continue in a moment. You're listening to Northwest This Week, and now Mark Christopher. The city of Port Townsend now recognizes the legal rights of orcas. Yes, you heard that correctly. Southern resident orcas now have legal rights under a proclamation from Port Townsend Mayor David Faber. The city of Port Townsend supports and urges action by local, state, federal, and tribal governments to secure and effectuate the rights of the southern or- resident orcas. Among the rights granted to killer whales under the document, the right to life, autonomy, culture, and an adequate food supply. But this isn't expected to have any effect of law, as this small town on the Salish Sea cannot enforce the rights it is granted to the orcas. However, the effort is part of a broader international movement attempting to establish legal rights for nature. Jeff Pogel on Northwest News Radio. Airplane mode is a phrase we're all pretty familiar with, especially with all the travel right now. It turns off the cell signal to your phone or other device so you can still use that gadget in flight. But soon... Regulators in Europe will allow travelers to make cell calls or connect to cell networks. A story assignment for Northwest News Radio's Bill O'Neill. In the European Union, regulators are moving towards allowing 5G connectivity, including phone calls and high-speed data, uh, well in the air. And that's possible because in Europe, they use a different frequency band for 5G than in the U.S., Um, with the U.S. one being a little bit closer to what's used for airplane instruments, which poses some concerns from the aviation industry. U.S. regulators have had serious concerns about how 5G technology could impact avionics. Who's right here? Why does the EU think it can be done safely? You know, the EU is using these different frequency bands, which provide a little bit more gap between the frequencies used by airplanes for their altimeters, which are a critical piece of equipment for uh, measuring altitude. In the U.S., the 5G networks are a little bit closer to the frequency bands used by altimeters, which means in Europe there's less risk of any interference from the 5G networks. 
Now, of course, not all European flights stay in Europe, right? Is there a future for 5G in planes within American airspace? How significant of a retrofit would that even require? Sure. So I've spoken to a couple experts about this. And, you know, from, from what I've heard, it doesn't seem like this is on the horizon for the U.S. anytime soon. You know, with that difference in the frequency bands, you might remember that early this year, there was a lot of concern about 5G antennas interfering with planes as they're taking off or landing. And that's just on the ground. So, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot more technical concerns about 5G. And another concern that regulators have been looking at is, you know, just the passenger experience. So how might a flight be affected if the person next to you is uh, speaking on their with their mom the entire flight uh, about uh, what they're going to eat when they land. Makes for a less pleasant experience. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, is this something people really want, you know, chatting on their phones during a flight? Wi-Fi, of course, is available on a large number of flights these days anyway. Right, right. It's a question of, um, you, you know, what are the benefits and drawbacks here? A lot of people do prefer a quiet flight, quiet airplane cabin. And so, you know, the U.S. actually made a move in 2013. The FCC, um, which regulates communication, tried to lift the ban on cell phone use in flight, but actually ran into a lot of opposition from airlines and the FAA because of these passenger experience concerns. You know, the airlines realized that you know, a lot of passengers probably aren't going to like the fact that people might be able to speak on their phone for the entire flight. The State Department of Health is offering classes for teachers that will count toward their yearly licensing requirements. And some critics, though, we see, say there's a clear agenda to the course that DOH has no business promoting. Here's Carlene Johnson. Lise Williams with the State Department of Health says the new educational resources will introduce teachers and then their students to public health and climate change data to explore connections between things like wildfire smoke and asthma. If you go through this class where you learn how to use our tools, then you get those credits. It has nothing to do with whether or not they implement it in the classroom. But Williams says the goal is to have teachers discussing what they have learned in the classroom. The materials include topics like racism is a major public health challenge, and they declare science has a long history of sexism. Lee Finna at the conservative Washington Policy Center says DOH has no business promoting an agenda. It's a, a direct attack on the scientific method, which teaches us to have an open mind to consider all facts before you draw a conclusion from them. Carlene Johnson, Northwest News Radio. Curbside dining spaces were intended as a short-term pandemic fix to help struggling restaurants survive. Now Seattle, perhaps on the verge of making them permanent. It's something city leaders noticed as streeteries thrived during the pandemic. They brought vibrancy to city streets that had been absent even before the pandemic. Now City Council Member Dan Strauss hails new legislation he says will keep that vibrancy alive. This is our final step in the pathway to permanence for street dining and many other types of street use for small businesses. The legislation also allows for small curbside merchandise displays, all with a fee paid to the city for use of former parking space between the curb and the street. The bill says streeteries may operate from April through October. Having passed out of committee, the legislation also is expected to pass the full council. Corwin Hake, Northwest News Radio. Still looking at a few more stories we need to get to here on Northwest News this week, especially when it comes to outdoor ice skating in our area. The University of Washington School of Law won't make the best of list we're finding out, published by U.S. News and World Report. And it's not because of a drop in the school standing. Eric Heinz 
tells us why. Law school dean Tamara Lawson says they won't participate in the magazine's ranking process. She explains the process discourages investments in wellness, experimental learning, interdisciplinary opportunities, cultural competence, and professional development. According to the Seattle Times, the UW, previously ranked 49th, joins other law schools, including Yale, Harvard, and four University of California law schools. The UW School of Law will continue to share data with prospective students and the legal community. Eric Heinz, Northwest News Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in each week at this time to catch up to the stories you might have missed. It's Northwest News this week, ending for the week of December 10th. I'm Mark Christopher. I still see a few more. Hang around. You're listening to Northwest This Week. Here's Mark Christopher. A video game acquisition worth nearly $69 billion could hinge on Microsoft's willingness to share the best-selling Call of Duty franchise. In just 10 days last month, Activision Blizzard's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 earned a cool billion dollars in sales. That may help explain Microsoft's intention to acquire Activision for $68.7 billion. That deal has come under Federal Trade Commission scrutiny. Now GeekWire reports Microsoft has reached a 10-year deal with Nintendo to make the Call of Duty franchise available on that company's gaming platforms. The report also says Call of Duty has made a similar deal with the game platform Steam. Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer says in a tweet, the deals are contingent on Microsoft completing the acquisition of Activision. I know you won't fail us. Corwin Hake, Northwest News Radio. And one story I wanted to make sure we cover here for the week comes from our good friend Bill Swartz here at Northwest News Radio. Outdoor ice skating becoming a major part of the Western Washington holiday season. It's a 25-year tradition full of fun memories. For young adult skaters like Annie and Austin, the downtown Bellevue Ice Rink offers 9,000 square feet of space to perfect old moves and learn how to stay upright. Yeah, I like to come every year, get in the Christmas spirit, fun time. Annie and her sister started skating on the downtown Bellevue Ice Rink when they were little tykes. Now she has her California friend Austin learning the moves. You guys look like Thai Babylonian, you know, Olympians out there. Uh, is this a tradition for you to come out to the Bellevue Ice Rink? Uh, I know she's been before, but this is my first time, and she brought me here. Instructor Brittany Seurat finds joy sharing her passion for ice skating. It's so inspiring to help somebody go from, especially like beginners, go from fear to courage. It's just so amazing. Fear is their hope for a balanced challenge guy like me. Two feet together and arms out. Simple as that. I know, it sounds simple. It sounds simple. <laughs> Bellevue Downtown Association encourages guests to buy their one-day tickets or a season pass online. New this year, overlooking Everett's waterfront place is Pacific Ice, a covered rink near the marina, available for public sessions and private rentals. Again, book online at pacificice.com. Even downtown Seattle will have a unique, intimate 40-foot by 40-foot rink to glide and spin. I would imagine there may be some historians who could fact-check me on this, but I don't know that an ice rink has ever been in Occidental Square. This might be a first. Downtown Seattle Association's James Cito says that Occidental Square ice rink will only run from this Friday, December 9th through the 11th. They have music, cookies, and cocoa. Skates are free and available to borrow. I'm Bill Swartz, Northwest News Radio.
And as we finish out for the week here of Northwest News this week, of course, we had many stories this past week dealing with the weather. Uh, concerns over mountain passes, of course. Not everybody chaining up. When that sign does say chains required, unless you're all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, you must chain up. It's the law. And make sure the tire chains fit. If not, it's like a $500 fine. And for ski areas, because of all the snow we had recently, just about everybody is open right now. Look at their websites for hours and updates and see if they require an online ticket purchase before you get to the slopes. Enjoy yourself. All right. I think we got it all for this week. Northwest News This Week, heard every week at this time here on Northwest News Radio, AM 1000 and FM 97.7. Also as a podcast at nwnewsradio.com. It's where you'll find other favorites like Politicast, Lifebeat, and Puget Sound Now. And by the way, if you enjoy this program as a podcast, would you take some time, please, and share a rating and review at Apple Podcast. Only takes a moment or two. Northwest News This Week is a lot of fun for us to put together each and every week. Produced by Bill O'Neill, our editor and tech advisor, Painter Webb. I'm Mark Christopher. We thank you so much for listening as we stay busy 24-7 here during the holiday season to cover those stories and those interests you need to know about. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. 